Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. thinking of trying that. Anybody here? Think maybe? No? Well, today Paul talks about uh, having a gospel priority in your life, but not forced like that, more natural. You know, as, as, uh, a, few, a couple of years ago, I was talking about this, and, and I, um, I said, you know, it's not like you got to force in every conversation. Like if you're eating with a coworker and this food's spicy, and he's like, wow, this food's hot. And you say, you know what else is hot? Hell. So, Last week, I was talking to Jeff Keeler, if you know Jeff, uh, awesome guy, and uh, he was telling me that he was eating lunch with a coworker literally just a couple weeks ago, and, it was, and his coworker said, this food is spicy. And he said, you know what else is hot? He's like, I thought of you. And I'm like, I meant that as an illustration of what not to do, Jeff, right? But he said it actually moved into a really interesting conversation, you know, and it gave him something to think about. So you can, you know, use it if you think it's right. And I think in that case, he actually knew his coworker and knew that that would be a funny sort of uh, entryway into a serious conversation about God. But what he's, what Paul's going to get at as he starts um, with, with prayer, prayer, prayer is to live with gospel priority, kind of what that means. Before we go to his word, let's pray together. Lord, you've brought us here, God, to have an interaction with you, your Holy Spirit. I pray, most importantly, that you receive worship and praise. You have, uh, we're so grateful for our worship team and um, Pastor Bob as he's led us in prayer. And God, we're thankful for our children's workers, nursery workers. Lord, all that, that do so we can gather as your people to praise your name, to fellowship, to hear your word. I pray that this time together would be, as Bob already prayed, that it would be changing, even if it's one degree. Lord, that you would invite us to be more like your son, the G- Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that you will meet each person, including me, today. Where, where we're at, you know our hearts, you know what we need. 
you know what we need, and we just desperately call on your name together. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. So we are uh, rounding home here in our summer series in Colossians this week and next, and then uh, it's done. So uh, if you have your Bibles, we'll put it on the screen for you, but you can go to chapter 4 of Colossians, verse 2, and we're going to be looking through verse 6 today. And uh, uh, there's Bibles there for you to use. If you don't own a Bible somewhere in front of you, um, we'd love for you to take that home. As, as a gift. So uh, as, you, as you turn there, I just want to thank everyone for prayers, for help. Uh, yesterday's uh, Day on the Common was uh, really amazing. We, uh, not only a lot of our church family, but tons of family that uh, we, we don't recognize were there. And uh, so that, that a lot of your financial contributions, prayer, the weather was perfect. Nice, cloudy, cool day, not too hot. And um, and a lot of people volunteering and, and helping, so it, it really was was great. So just pray for the, the fruit of that, because why we do that is just so simply our community says, hey, that, that church loves us, they care about us, and um, to really do as a church what we're talking about today as, as individuals, um, is kind of moving through the sphere of our lives and in, in our communities that we're in um, with the gospel priority. So um, so as, as we, we get to this, this uh, uh, kind of, last bit of, I mean, there's a few things that next week, but kind of Paul gives his, his goodbyes in the letter that he likes to do, and we'll, we'll see that, and there's some good things in there too. But, but he kind of, uh, he's rounding home. If you, you remember, Paul wrote this from prison, and he wrote this letter to a church in Colossae that, that um, had never met him, but he, he cared so deeply for, and there was this gospel, I mean, there was like this gospel-threatening group, you know, they, they were like, over here, come over here, and, 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 and there's got to be more, there's a gospel plus, right, more than just the good news of Christ, and, and, and so Paul's just kind of really telling him to close ranks on that, but I think it's almost like Paul's saying, but don't close ranks on your community. On, on those who are on the outside of the gospel. And what happens is he begins with prayer. Um, and, and, and it's not, some would take this as sort of a segmented section, but I don't see that at all. Because I, I'm convinced, and, and, and just absolutely convinced, that if for you and I to actually put people who need Christ first in our lives, to actually do that, it doesn't happen if you're not in prayer. Like if your prayer life right now is really dry, I guarantee you, you're not thinking about others. You're maybe annoyed with them or frustrated with them or angry with them, but you're not thinking, I care about your soul, because that's the power of God. It's not a natural thing for you to do. And so it, it, the, the first question to, to ask, and, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or, or uh, uh, you know, say it out loud, but let me just ask you to think about this. What if you had to give yourself a grade, what is your prayer life, your personal prayer life like right now? What is your prayer life like right now? Give yourself a grade. As a pastor, I have a lot of these conversations, of course, with people. And and, uh, there's no doubt there's some in this room um, who right now it's flourishing. It's awesome. And so maybe this will give you a few fresh ideas, as Paul, uh, just one kind of sentence on prayer, but really packed with good stuff. Or maybe it's just an encouragement to keep going, keep going, uh, be steadfast. But uh, for many of us, because if I have those conversations, usually, uh, say, how's your prayer life? A lot of times it's, eh, could be better. Eh, I wish, right? It's it's dry, or I'm not really sure, or I'm scattered, or I can't focus, or like, and and so that's, so if that's you, just be honest. It's, It's very normal. I get like that all the time, and, and yet 
if we, don't, if, if we just say, hey, I want to live my life as a gospel priority. That's what I want to do. Without prayer, it's not going to happen. It's just not. Like, you're not going to do it. It takes the help of God. And so we'll see how he transitions from generally being in prayer to caring about those on the outside. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So he gives us kind of three qualities of that prayer, right? So he says, to continue steadfastly. That that just means to be persistent. Keep praying. Don't give up. That word in the Greek that that I read somewhere along the way, that it, it actually became known as like a boat that was always ready for someone to get in. So when you read, always be in prayer, constant prayer, it doesn't mean you're walking around praying all the time. It means you're ready to pray. You're ready to, to, to take that to God. Like Jesus told the parable uh, uh, of the woman who, who was being unjustly treated, and she went to this horrible judge. Guy didn't care about her at all. He was a jerk, my translation. Don't look that up, right? And, and she goes to him, and, and, and she just goes every day, every day to, the, to his courtroom. I need justice. And finally, this jerk of a judge just says, I can't take this lady anymore, and does what she wants. Jesus says, imagine what a loving, holy, awesome God will do if you keep steadfast, bringing it to God. So that's that first quality, to be steadfast. Second, you see, being watchful in it. That is to be awake, to be alert. Right? Remember in the, in the garden when Jesus told his disciples, right, like, be in prayer, stay awake. Obviously, they, they fell asleep physically, and that's the first start, right? But Jesus meant more than that. It's, it's, you know, the idea of being alert spiritually, not just physically. And, and so to see, like, they're in the garden. There's a lot happening in there, you know. It's more than just, oh, I'm awake. But I'm awake and I'm seeing what's happening. What's going on with Jesus? What is going on with, right, and to pray. That's to be alert, to be watchful. And then, of course, to be in thanksgiving, to have thanksgiving as a, a regular part of our prayer. And so break it down for you, okay? Get really practical. Three critical elements of our prayers, and I reorder them, not because I don't like Paul's order, but just for us to kind of go through them. And, and, and to, to really say, okay, is this a part of my prayer life right now? And it starts that I wanted to start with where Paul ended, and that's thankfulness. That that should be a regular part of our prayer. Now, now, not every prayer, you know, there's those what we call arrow prayers, like you're walking into your boss's office, and you're like, oh, Lord, please help me, to, you know. You don't need to preamble that with Thanksgiving. You can, but there might not be time. That's okay. But there should be a part in your day where you bring thankfulness to God. And we're not talking about, oh, God, thanks for everything. Anyway, back, that's not thankfulness. That's not going to do anything for you and, or, or for God, right? The, the, the thankfulness is to actually sift mentally through the areas of your life, present and past, of what God's done, right? To, 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 to pray and thank God. Sometimes I'll thank God for, I'll think about the schools that he's brought me through, my elementary schools and, and, and high school and college and seminary and some of the teachers and professors. I'll thank them, him for the education, for the mind to be able to do that, right? For the, like, I'll thank him for my parents and the different homes I've lived in. And, and but by the time, man, sometimes you're whole, man, I, I got to stop. I've, all I've been doing is thanking because there's so much. I thank you, God, that I switched a, a switch and lights turned on. I, I 
turned a key and a car turned on, right? I, I thank you, you know, even though, and so what happens is even if, if, if things aren't great in a relationship, like say your marriage is in a little bit of a dry spot, if you start thanking God for your husband or your wife and all that he's blessed you with, with them, like things begin to be put in perspective, right? So when you incorporate thankfulness as part of your prayer, a few things happen. And and the first is an end of itself. You are praising and worshiping God. And if you are a Christian, that's the whole point of your life. That's the whole point. So if if you spend time just thanking God in prayer, that that is an end in itself. You You are worshiping God in prayer. So right there, if nothing else really happens, it nothing else needs to happen because you've done that. But other things happen as well when you regularly thank God. Number the 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 second one is um uh, I'll use this prop that a lot of you are used to seeing. Raggedy box of problems. Who remembers our box of problems? Right? So this is something we all have. Right? The, the idea is we have this every day. It might be bigger some days than, than others. Right? Frustrations, stresses, angers, failures, uh, all kinds of stuff. Right? That's uh, our box of problems. And there's very few days that, that you feel like you don't have this. There's some great days that, man, something happens that's so awesome that this just sort of gets pushed to the side. You still have it, and you pick it back up in a couple of days. But most days, you have some level of this, right? And so what happens is, for all of us, is this box of problems becomes all, all we see, right? It's all we see is what I'm upset about and what's going on with that relationship or at work or financial problems or stresses or health difficulties or work, like all kinds of stuff. And it's all I see, and it's really hard to have an attitude that that God wants us to have when it's all we see. Thankfulness doesn't mean this goes away, but it dissipates. It gets put in perspective because now you're, you're in such like, oh, that's right, God, you have saved me. Like you've given me all that. Look at what you, how you've done this in my past. Look at all that you've been there for me, right? That, that despite I have these problems, you're bigger than these problems. You're bigger than these frustrations. You won't get there without thankfulness. You won't without very specific thankfulness in your prayers. And then what happens then is that leads you into that next piece, the steadfast. Because you won't give up, right? Like Because you, when you're in thankfulness, you're like, wow. I, I'm, I'm calling to mind all that God has done for me. Why would he give up on me now? Why is he going to leave me now? He's not. But if you don't thank him, you easily forget, and you're just always thinking about what's wrong instead of what's right and what he's blessed you with. And so Paul leads into <clears throat> that, that steadfast. And, and, and so, uh, again, that just means to be persistent, ongoing, to keep going. Right, that 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 we even know, because if you're like me, you want to pray, and then boom, God answers. Right? Wouldn't that be nice? And that does happen once in a while, doesn't it? And you're like, whoa, I barely got the words out. God answered that prayer. I love it when that happens. But it's so rare, it seems. That's usually not how God operates. And and so we give up, and we say, well, I guess God said no. Don't take God God's delays for God's denial. He will deny because it's in your good interest, right? There's times in his love, and I can prove it to you. Remember when you were like in junior high and you're like, please, God, let that girl love me, right? And he's like, not for you, right? And you were so upset, and then now you're married going, thank God he didn't answer that prayer, right? There's so many of those things you need to look back, and I think when we're in heaven, we'll look back even more. Woo, 
God really actually knew what he was doing when he said no. So he will say no and be glad when he does, even if you don't understand why. But a lot of times, it's not denial. He's like, that is a good prayer, but not yet. Not yet. So keep going. Why? Because God will, we, we want God's timing, even if it's hard for us. God's like, that's a good prayer. It's just, that's a good thing for you, and I'm going to give that to you. You're just not ready for it yet. So that's not the time for it yet. But also, what does God do during that delay? Is he builds our faith. It's a process of faith where, where we literally, like, like you, you're just at, at, the, at God's hem of his, of his robe, and you're just clinging to it. You're just like, God, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep praying for this. I know it's right. I know it's good. I'm going to keep praying, right? And, and I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm not turning to a worldly solution. I'm not turning to another philosophy or to what my friends say I should do. I'm going to stay with you, and I'm going to cling to you, and I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep going like that woman in Jesus' parable. And, man, God delights in that steadfastness. And as we, we continually, continually get, build our, our trust and faith, if he just gave us everything we wanted when we wanted, we wouldn't have much faith. He wants us to trust him in those times we don't understand. And then watchful, watchful or alert to stay awake. This, I think, is where it turns the corner to being a priority to seeing others who are on the outside as a priority. But, but what does that mean? Like on the ground, Jamie, what does that, that mean to be watchful, to be alert? See, being alert to something is good. That just means like you're, you're aware that something's happening. Like sometimes we're like, duh, right? Like we don't know what's going on. And that's not alert at all. Anyone, Christian or not, can be an alert person, kind of recognizing what, what's happening. But, but this is a whole other whole dimension where now you're recognizing what's happening through the lens of what God is doing and what someone might need. And you're starting to care for what they need spiritually, not just aware that, man, that guy's an idiot. That's a moron. I can't believe she thinks that. I don't want anything to do with her. You're alert but not spiritually alert, right? It's a very big difference. I want you to picture this. Young man in his 20s, early, early 20s, um, and he's on the subway in Boston, and it's almost midnight, which is about when they shut down, and he's sitting there, and this is not always the best time to be on a subway train in Boston, right, and uh, alone, but he's sitting there, and there's not a lot of people on the train, but next to him is a woman who's a bit older in her 30s, and she's trying to be quiet about it, but she's quietly sobbing. And there's a few seats in between, and they're both by themselves, a few other people kind of on the, on the train. Picture that. Now, that was me. That happened to me in college. I had an internship in Boston at, at Channel 7, and I got out after the 11 o'clock news, and uh, they didn't pay me, by the way, so it wasn't that cool, all right? And, and I was, had to take the train, and, and, and there was this woman. And I'm, I'm like 20 years old, 21, something like that. I can't really remember. And, and um, I wasn't a Christian yet. I was, God was working on my heart, but I wasn't a Christian yet. So you can excuse me that I was kind of like, I don't want to talk. Like, what do I do here, right? Like, I don't understand what's happening here. But I was alert in that I noticed. Man, nowadays you see everyone's in their phones, right? You wouldn't notice if someone came on with a bomb. You wouldn't know, right? But we didn't have that back then. It was in the old days. So you just kind of looked around and read a book. And I'm just kind of, I'm tired, I'm weary, it's not, and I'm, I'm watching this, and she's just, so, she's clearly, she's just a wreck. And, man, I am kind of proud of myself. I, I did say, 
are you okay? Kind of knew the answer, right? And she just sort of gathered herself and, and, and she um, just kind of, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And obviously not fine. And I just kind of left it at that because it's all I really knew what to do. Spiritually alert would be, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? You don't necessarily have to dig in. Tell me exactly what's going on. Like, you're not necessarily a psychologist, right, or, or a counselor. She might bring it out. I doubt it to some college student on the train. I doubt she was going to pour out her heart, right? But, but I could And even if she said, no, nah, no thanks, right, you really can't be stopped from praying for someone, can you? Right? You can always pray for someone. Just don't pray out loud and, and upset them. But you can pray. You can, you can be more alert, not just, man, I wonder what's wrong with that woman. She's a mess, right? You, that's alert. But spiritually alert says, what's God doing? How God might be drawing her? What does she need? And caring about her as a soul. Right? To be alert means maybe coming into church today saying, I think uh, Jamie's going to be starting at uh, chapter 4, verse 2. That's alert. That's aware. That's good. Spiritually alert is praying about it, saying, well, well there's going to be people there, including me, that need God's word, and, and actually say, God, what, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that time? And, and recognizing, like, maybe you know, like, all right, that's who's on the, the worship team, but praying that through that, that time that, that people will be moved closer to God. That's what Paul means by being watchful. See what's happening around you, whether it's at work or whether it's in your own family, your own home, your own marriage, your own friendships, your own uh, school, campuses, you see what's happening, and you're spiritually alert to be able to pray with that gospel priority. And so Paul gives us this, and, and, and the reason we spent probably the most of our time on a verse that's not even about living with gospel priority is, is because if you don't, the biggest thing you might take f- from this today is I've got to get back to praying with that kind of passion, with that kind of steadfast, with that kind of persistence, praying that specific, with thankfulness, right? Because if you do and start alertness and start seeing people for souls, right, as, as who they are, some of them are, uh, many of them, most of them, as we'll see, outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ right now. Without prayer, it's not going to happen. But Paul, I, lo- I love this. If you read, you, you look for this in his letters, he'll often give you, you know, some teaching on prayer. And he usually just flows right into, oh, and while you're praying, put me on the list. Right? Pray for us. And that's not Paul being selfish. It's just Paul saying, you know what, man? I, I need your prayers. All right? So look what he says to them in verses 3 and 4. He says, at the same time, like while you're praying persistently with thankfulness, right? And while you're doing that, and you're alert, pray also for us meaning Timothy and all of his other companions that he's with. Remember, he's in prison. That God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. I love how he, he remember now, he's, uh, he's in prison. And I'm going to, probably because um, Bob's, your office is probably neater than mine. So, right? so I want you to picture this. Okay, he's, he's actually, as he's writing this, he's behind a door. The kind of door none of us want to be behind. A prison door, right? He's behind a door. And, and, and if you and I were, the first prayer is probably what? Get us out of prison, right? Pray that I get out of prison. That's not what he prays for, right? He prays for a door to be opened for the word, for the mystery of Christ to go forward. Now, I, I got to be honest. If I'm Paul, I'm thinking, and that's probably not going to happen if I'm in prison, right? So, 
Maybe it's part of that, pray I get out. However, if you know Paul's story, while he was in captivity, he got a hearing for the gospel, some of the highest magistrates in the Roman culture, right? He, he got some of the high. he would never would have got an audience with them if he wasn't in captivity. So maybe part of that answer was, get me out, but sometimes keep me in. The idea, though, is that Paul's priority is not his personal comfort and safety. He says, while you're praying for us, pray that that word, that there will be a door open to some of the darkest places that do not have the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, what he calls the beautiful, that mystery of Christ. Why is it a mystery? A mystery is just simply something that's true, and, and biblically speaking, always been true, just previously unknown. Okay? That's the gospel. Even the Jews, they understood redemption. They understood that God was going to bring a Savior, but they didn't really fully grasp who Jesus, like, that that was, that was going to happen like that. So now we're after the cross. We're after the resurrection. And the mystery of Christ is that, that, that people don't realize. Yes, people know they're a mess. I mean, inherently, you just know. I've blown it so many times. But, but the mystery is that because of that sin, I'm separated from a holy God. Like, I'm, I can't get back to him. Like, I'm lost for eternity. That's the bad news, right? But the mystery is that God so loved you that he did something about that. He sent his only son in the flesh, right? God the son, Jesus, and he came and he died on a cross for me, for you. Took all of your sin, right? So now you are made right. You are made righteous. You can live in eternity with God in relationship. This is a mystery like that was previously unknown. And now Paul's like, we want to tell everyone about this. Because everyone needs to hear this. But there's so many places that are, that are against us doing this. Pray that doors will open. Right? Pray that for with gospel priority. And that's what we take out of it as well. For the gospel to go into some of the darkest places. I was watching a video. It just popped up. Um, it was only about a minute long. It was actually a TikTok video. And it was amazing. The first images like, grabbed me. It was like, whoa. And it was... Um, this young man, and he was clearly a Satanist, dressed like it, upside down cross, and, and the words that came, there was some music to it, right? The words came across the screen is, this is who I was. I worshiped Satan. I was this lost. And you, the, the images were like, whoa. If you saw this person on the street, you'd be like, oh boy, <laughs> nope, right? I don't mess him with that, whatever that is, right? Just clearly, not just, you know, a little, like he was gone, right? But as the video, short video goes through, you see a video, and he said, this is a video of my baptism into Jesus Christ. And it shows him in a river with a pastor, right? And, and he looks different now, and he comes out of the water. And, he's, and then you see these images of who he is now. It's like, man, if so many people would have seen him before. Like, no way, no way would he ever trust in Jesus Christ, right? Yet somebody was praying for him. Somebody was praying for the church that, or the, the, the pastor or the person, whoever shared Christ with him. Somebody was praying for that door to be opened. And it was. Because God's bigger than any situation that we think is too lost, too far gone, too outside. God is always bigger. And so we pray. And so what we want to do is, as part of our prayers, is as Paul asks, pray for churches, pastors, missionaries. That's why we do, you saw in, during elder prayer when, when Bob prayed um, for missions door and, and, and um, 
Mission E4, a couple of the mission that we support, right, prayed for the doors to be open and their ministries. And, 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 that, and so praying for all those people, situations that you know of, and pray specifically. Yes, pray for their safety and God to help them and, and all that. That's good. Those are good things to pray for. But most importantly, pray that God moves the mystery of Christ into dark places, into our community. Because even at the local level, we know where we are, like 95% of the people you bump into every day are outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's just a reality. It's most people at this point. And so we pray. We pray that that the word goes forth and that God opens uh, their eyes and their hearts. And so see how it transforms from your prayer to being watchful to now praying for for the gospel to go out, right, to now personal responsibility. This isn't just, oh, and by the way, this is a progression in Paul's mind as the Holy Spirit gives it to him, that that by the way, yes, we pray for the grand level for churches and ministries and, 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 and all that, but what about me on the ground living my life? So verse verse five, he says, also for you, walk in wisdom toward outsiders making the best use of the time. That just literally means to buy time. Don't you wish you could buy more time? Some of you are young, like, no, I got plenty of time. Some of us, as we get older, are like, oh, boy, I wasted a lot of time. You know, time is like currency. You have to prioritize how you spend it, except it's infinitely more valuable because you cannot make more of it. You can always try to make more money. If you just go, oh, man, I really squandered that. Get more and be better. Time, once it's gone, it's gone. And we really don't know what, how much we got, right? We all have the same amount of time each day, but we don't know how, how much we have. So Paul's like, redeem that. Buy it. Prioritize it. For what? For the gospel. So here's what he says to do that. I, I love the image of walk because as you see that in the Bible, as we've talked about, walking just means as you progress and move throughout your life. Right? You get up. You make coffee or tea or drink water, go for a run if you're crazy, right? Or, you know, exercise or you, you go to work or you, you get up to kids or you go to school or you go to practice or you, you go shopping or whatever your day consists of. You walk through it, right? And, and move through it. And I love how this image is not trying to force gospel conversations. Hey, you, get over here. Do you know Jesus, Right? There's some people who get away with that. Most of us, not going to happen. That's what Paul's like. No, no. As you walk toward outsiders, meaning, as I said, the vast majority of the people you're going you're to bump into, they're, they're outside of the gospel. That means they don't know Christ. They do not have the forgiveness of Christ. Do we care? Is this something we care about? Or are we just mad because they don't have the same political opinion as me? Or they don't have the same opinion about kids or about this or that. Who cares? In the end, the biggest, most important thing is do they know the Savior? Do they know the cross? And so that's where wisdom comes in. That's where prayer comes in. Because guess where wisdom comes from? God. To walk in wisdom is to put into practice God's word, God's truth. It's to hear something, whether it's a sermon or someone says to you or something in a song we sent. It's like, wow, God really, but that, that's knowledge. That's a beautiful thing. Now putting it into practice as you walk through life, that's wisdom. And so he's saying, as you walk, wisdom, alert for opportunities. That, that the way I live might open doors, right? The way I'm, I'm walking and living, putting on love, 
that doors to other people's lives will, will open up. Some of you have experienced this. It, it, it means that when we prioritize the making best use of our time, we, we treat people, even people that vehemently disagree with us, with love and dignity and respect. Right? We, we, we do as much as we can, never, never stepping away from the truth of God's word. We lovingly like, are prioritizing them as a soul, not as a broken human being. That's not going to happen naturally for you, right? And you know it. It's only going to happen through God's spirit. That's why we pray for wisdom. We pray to be watchful. We, we, we see situations in our, in our lives as we try to live with gospel priority, right? To, to, to say, what am I going to do with my day today? How's it going to matter? Not to, not to me or to this or that, but to God. That's a good question that we all can ask. You're, it's not going to mean the same for you as me or him or her. God's got you where you are. But how's today going to matter? And, and I, I've been saying this and will continue to say this, that not really to anyone's fault, but this whole COVID period has brought on a malaise because it forced us into our homes to Literally not interact with people, except online when everyone's yelling at each other, right, besides that. But to literally to close ranks, because that's what we're supposed to do, and, and so it's not really anyone's fault, but what's been done is we've, we've kind of focused on ourselves so much, because it's really all we could do, right, except through prayer and through distance, and yet that has taken a toll. We're like, we've developed a new sort of malaise and like the, that, that COVID coma that we like to call it, right? And, and it's real and we have to recognize it and we have to wake up. Like, this is not God's priority for your life is to stay by yourself and not interact with people and love them. That's just not anywhere in scripture. And so we have to, as we pull out of this, we have to wake up. And that means first and foremost, pray it, but then live it. Live it. Not just trying to be good for God, right? But to live God's way so that others will say, you're different. What do you got? Why are you different? I want to know. Right? I want to I know. And so it, it, it's, it, it starts there and then it just ends with also because don't believe that lie that all I have to do is live. There does come a point where words are necessary. The gospel is words. He says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So as you live it, you speak it. And it starts generally, because he says, let your speech always, right? So we're not just talking about when you're preaching or teaching a Bible study or, or something like that. You're talking about God. He, he, he means everything that we say. And you see, Paul, he just meant speech usually, because that's all they had. I mean, they wrote things, but not many people had you know, a lot of parchment. They were, it was pretty rare. So it's mostly the spoken word. For us, man, huh, we got speaking and we got posting and snapping and texting and, and we got every form of communication known to man. So put it all in this category and ask yourself right now, is my speech always gracious? I would say no for me. So don't feel horrible about yourself. That's normal because the flesh pulls. I really need to say something about that. I got to let you have a piece of my mind. 
Do you? Do I? Just let your speech always be gracious. That's our goal. Because that was Christ. That doesn't mean he didn't, like there was some, like the Pharisees probably didn't always think Jesus was very gracious, right? Call them a brood of vipers, whitewashed tombs, right? Like there was times, you, you, you know, he spoke real truth into that. But really that was gracious because he was trying to get them to wake up and understand what they were missing. So there is times for those kinds of conversations. But overall, interactions with the people in your life is let our speech, let our uh, online presence, let, our, let it be gracious. We don't need to, to hop on everything. It means to be able to breathe with wisdom and just say, I don't have to correct everything. I, I don't have to be that person. I can just, with wisdom, interact with people through the love of Christ and speak. And so what then happens is it's seasoned with salt. Now, there's some that believe that means you got to be interesting because salt makes food better. There's other, that's another word for wisdom, to speak with wisdom because um, that salt is a preserving element as well. I would say both, you know, be interesting where you can, don't be boring, and, uh, but also with wisdom we speak. And what I think that just means is, as I said, it just, like, you don't have to throw the Bible at somebody, right? I've told the story before, before I was uh, a pastor, I was in, um, worked for a college admission office, and I had a friend and coworker, and she knew I was a Christian, and one day she said to me, you know, you know, it's your beliefs just seem to be really important to you, like, I feel like I need something. And she's like, is there like a website I can just go and type in what I believe and it'll tell me what I am? And I'm like, it just doesn't really work that way, right? I said, how about figure out what is true and believe that? But as we talked and, and discussed things, it wasn't about correcting everything. It was just with wisdom, with graciousness, trying to work into that conversation, my own story who God is and what he's done for me, who Jesus is, right? So, so it, it takes time. You don't need to jump out of a parachute and force someone into a conversation. If you pray it and you live it, you'll have so many opportunities to speak it. And Paul just says, be ready. Be ready. There's so many people, so many people. They might on the outside say, I'm a Satanist. <laughs> That's an extreme form, or I don't, ha- I don't care. Man, they are dying to hear a message love and truth that's only found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we pray because nothing happens without prayer. Lord, we we pray steadfast, persistent. And I pray if we're not, that you will will work in us so that we do. We are a church that prays for the outsiders all over the place, those who don't know you, even those that we might dislike or disagree with. Lord, give us a heart to pray for them, to care deeply for their soul. Father, we ask you, I ask you, as individual Christians in this room, that you will give us opportunities to live out that priority, to speak about who you are. Give us those open doors, Lord. Neighbors and friends and family members and coworkers and people at the stores we visit, at the restaurants we go to. Oh, God, bring those doors, open them, that we might be watchful and alert to see them and walk through them. 
Lord, I pray for our church and all churches who, who are, believe the gospel and are preaching the truth. Bless them, Lord. Open doors to dark places. Our missionaries, oh God. Those who are on the front lines and places that have never heard your word and are just obstinate toward it, oh Lord, give them those opportunities. As Paul asked for prayer, let us be praying for that regularly. And I ask, Lord, that you would explode each and every Christian in this room's prayer life full of thankfulness, watchfulness, steadfastness, that we would be men and women, boys and girls of prayer. Father, if there's anyone who doesn't know you in this room, Lord, I pray for their soul. I pray that they would see that you, Jesus, what you did on that cross is the only way. And that they're invited to forgiveness today, freedom, if they would but believe on your name. By your power, would you open their heart to the gospel, even now as I pray. We love you, God. We praise you. You deserve our thankfulness. You deserve our praise. You deserve our worship. You deserve our song. And it's in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Let's stand and sing.